Hi guys and welcome to Murder Most Gruesome. My name's Andrea. And I'm Yvonne. And we are going to do a podcast today on Kate Bushell and Lynn Bryant. Yvonne, okay. over to you. Okay, thank you. Welcome to Murder Most Gruesome's newest, uh, latest podcast and thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start, I'd like to take a moment to remind you that we are on social media and if you could follow and like us on Instagram, Facebook, that would be absolutely fantastic. Just show us the love. Um, a big thank you to all of our wonderful listeners that have been sending in their spooky or strange stories. And if you have one, then please send these in to Murder Most Gruesome Podcast and it might be featured on one of our next podcasts where we will be doing a listener special. Yeah. So please continue sending those in. Right, the case we are looking at today are actually two cases. And it's Kate Bushell, a 14-year-old, and Lynn Bryant, a 40-year-old. Now, there's two separate cases. Uh, they were they, they occurred about 75 miles apart, but police believe they were committed by the same person due to the fact that, A, the murder weapon was a knife, and they were both killed whilst out walking a dog on isolated lanes. As I've said, they were within 70, 75 miles of each other in the southwest of England, and they occurred a year apart. The murders were also both particularly brutal, leading investigators to suspect that the perpetrator may have, can, and listen, may have experience in slaughtering animals. Now, this is a bit hypocritical of me, as I eat meat, but I would hate to be thought of as a person who was experienced in killing another living thing. They were also without an apparent motive. And police, and indeed the public, feared that a serial killer was at large. Um, a fear that was compounded by later attacks on other women walking the dogs. So they weren't murdered, but... They were in the same area and it was uh, women approached by a man whilst out walking the dog. At the same time? As in around about the same time? Around about the same time. It was after. Right, okay. The uh, the two murders. After Kate. Well, Kate um, was murdered first and about a year later, Lynn was murdered. After Kate Bushell's murder, police actually warned the public that, and this is a quote, the offender appeared to be the kind who would soon kill again. And then, of course, Lynn Bryant was murdered. Now, these cases are unsolved to this day, despite huge media coverage at the time and the cases even featuring on a really, a really popular British programme called Crime Watch. Oh, I love that programme. I love that programme. It, it stopped now, but it was built... I think it's very similar to Dateline. In America, In yeah. America, but it actually had quite a few. The episodes about an hour, an hour and a half long, and they had featured a few crimes on you know a few crimes each episode and it was every month it was on now the day of the 15th of november 1997 started like any other and kate had gone shopping with her mother in exeter city center so she was 14 year old at the time now after they returned home from shopping she left her house at about half four to walk a neighbor's dog and the dog was called Gemma, as the neighbors were away for the weekend she walked up a narrow rural lane that was used regularly by local dog walkers and Kate had used this before. Now, when she hadn't returned by 6pm 
and this means at that time in, in November in the UK it would have been fully dark. In fact, I think half four would have been mm-hmm. going dark at that point. When she hadn't returned home by 6pm, her mother and father started to look for her. So they, they drove up the lane in the car and around this time they also contacted police. When they'd failed to see her on the lane, they then searched the nearby fields and at about half seven, her father found the dog alive, found the, came across the dog and then saw Kate lying dead on the floor next to, next to the dog with her throat cut. Oh. So that's how awful... Had the to, dog stayed with her? Yeah. Oh. So how awful to find your daughter dead like that. Oh, you could not, never get over it, no. could you? Now, whilst investigating, police identified three men that they wanted to speak to after witnesses put them near the murder scene around the time Kate was murdered. There was a homeless man, a man spotted with a blue van stroke car that was seen parked on Exwick Lane, yards from the murder scene, and then a man running from the scene. Now, these individuals have never come forward, and this has led police to believe that that's because they had something to hide. Where she lived, Exwick, it was a pretty tight community and people knew each other even if just by sight. So it was common village knowledge that a homeless man appeared in the area during the summer of 1997. Remember, Kate had been murdered in November. And he was seen hanging around by witnesses throughout the later months of the year. Now, a resident walked past him and at, at one point, and the description he gave to police later was that he was five foot ten inches tall, approximately, between 30 and 40. He had long hair, long straggly hair. Um, he had a checked brown coat, a long checked brown coat, which had been buttoned up to the neck. And it, it, it was thought that he looked like, well, he looked like he'd been sleeping rough. Mm. Now, numerous other residents saw him during this time and he was always wearing that coat, this long brown checked coat, despite, despite the weather being hot at some points. Now, three days before the murder of Kate, this, this man, this same witness, was walking his dog down the lane and the man came out from behind some trees very suddenly and startled him. Now, this happened about half a mile away from Kate's home and was on one of the lanes that she regularly used. Now, a week before Kate's murder, a neighbour of hers saw an orange tent pitched very close to the spot where Kate was murdered, uh, only days later. Now, the neighbour found this to be highly unusual for someone to be camping at this time of year. Which it is, isn't it? It really is. I, I mean, it would have been very cold in the UK at that time of year. From and I'm going to from my own experience, from someone who slept in a tent in May, which is supposed to be a warm month, and I had to be compl- fully dressed with a with a hat on while I slept in a sleeping bag, and you could see your breath, and that was in May. Mm. So I've slept in a tent in October, and it is it is cold. Yeah, I can't That's... imagine doing it in November. Yeah. So back to the day of the murder, at around four fifty-five. A father out walking with his children passed Kate on Exwick's Lane. And around the same time, a mother and daughter drove past Kate on the same lane as they made their way into Exwick. Now, they later told police that Kate had looked straight at them, which they found to be unusual. As they made their way further down the lane, they passed a man stood by a small blue van 
parked by the side of the lane, facing away from Exwick. Now, police believe it to be a Vauxhall Astra van, based on the descriptions of it. Now, the location of this sighting was only 100 yards from where Kate was murdered minutes later. Oh and it was God. the last sighting of her alive. So, so close. Was she walking? So was she walking towards where the van was? Mm. Or away from it? I'm not actually quite sure. But, you, you, I mean, I'm not sure. She, she could have walked down the lane and walked back. Um, yeah, they were driving. Walk yeah. yeah. So I'm not, I'm not actually sure actually of that. Now the men, the man the stated above never came forward. He or indeed the vehicle was never traced. Right, which would be difficult if they didn't catch a registration. Yeah, yeah. So a man was seen running from the direction of the lane about half an hour after Kate was found dead, whilst the police helicopter was above. On the programme Crime Watch in January 1998, so a few months after the murder, the police appealed for him to come forward, but he never did. Due to her age, the case, as you can imagine, gained a lot of media interest. Mm. And her case was then featured again on Crime Watch as part of a special unsolved edition. And viewers were asked if anyone who knew the identity of the killer to come forward before anyone else was harmed. Now, exactly one month after this appeal, Lynn Bryant was brutally murdered. Going on to Lynn Bryant, Lynn Bryant visited Chenoweth's petrol station on Rouen High Lanes on the 20th of November 1998, where she bumped into a friend and she had a brief chat with her, and this was about 1pm in the afternoon. And while they were talking, a small dirty van entered the parking area and parked up at a funny angle where his van was facing towards Lynn's car. Now, the driver was described by witnesses as being between 30 and 50 years old, round-faced, a brown, big bushy brown beard with some grey in it. He was biggish in build and was wearing a green jacket. Then when Lynn's car left the garage, they the van followed, which caught the attention of the employees of the garage. So they, obviously, it must have been suspicious. Because otherwise, why else would you kind of like clock it and find it suspicious? Exactly. So later on in the merge investigation, police found that the van had also been sighted on Friday and Saturday before the murder in a lay-by next to the church, where she, near, near next to the church, near to where she was found murdered. And the van was said to be an Austrian, Austin Maestro or it could have been a Ford Escort or a Bedford van. After they'd been at the petrol station, Lynn returned home but went out again almost straight away to walk a dog. At this point, it's about 1.35. And she walked along Rouen, Rouen High Lanes, which was her usual route. You know what they say about old habits. <laughs> yeah, habits get you killed. killed. Yeah, so she walked towards a Methodist church and then turned left towards Truaga. Now, a witness drove past Lynn speaking with a man outside the church, 91 metres from where she was later found murdered, and this was between about 1.45 and 2pm. The, the, the driver later described this man as 5 foot 9, in his 30s, and wearing light clothing. Now, a farmer moving his animals around his farm did not see Lynn when he was there at 2pm, but she was later found dead there shortly after, and she'd been stabbed numerous times with a knife. Right. 
So he must have been doing something in that part of the farm, moved his animals, come back, and then he's found a body. As I mentioned before, both these pro both these cases were featured on the programme Crime Watch. Now, I used to love watching that programme. It's not on the air anymore, which is a real pity. And it made appeals for crimes and had reconstructions on crimes and made appeals for witnesses. And they had Lynn's murder appeal on the 10th of November, 1998, which is about a month later. Now, the lead detective on Lynn's inquiry, Chris Borland, said, and this is a quote, there are distinct possibilities that they are linked. And and went on to say that they were working very closely with the Kate Bushell murder team. Now, on the programme, an appeal was made direct, which is unusual, I think, direct to doctors and psychiatrists who may have had a patient who they believed was capable of such a vicious crime to come forward. Yeah. Which, obviously, would make the obvious suggestion that police believed that the murder murderer may have been mentally ill. Now, detectives on the programme also told viewers that Lynn's glasses were missing from her body, that she would have been wearing them, she had, you know, she yes. wore them all the time, yeah. and they were missing from her body or from around the murder scene. This part is really creepy. The killer apparently returned to the murder scene four months later and left her glasses oh. at the, where, she, where her body had been found. Oh, my God. And the scene had been, as you can imagine, meticulously <clears throat> searched at the time of the murder. They were found at the scene by a local man and handed into the police. One of the possibilities that the police thought was that the murderer had done this because he wanted to get caught. Now, I personally think it was more of a taunt. Taunt, yeah. That's where my mind went. Yeah. And now, at the end of the segment on Crime Watch, the police said that they didn't think the man was local and that the man in a white van from the petrol station was a strong suspect. In all of my research on this case, I'm not sure... I don't think Lynn was aware of the man behaving oddly in the petrol station, so he could have actually followed her home. Yeah. When police investigated Kate Bushell's murder, they found a lot of man-made dens in the area where she was murdered, and police appealed for any children or adults who'd been using them to come forward and eliminate them from the, themselves from the inquiry. And a black bin bag was also found in one of these dens, and it contained someone's belongings and actually had fingerprints on it, but they're unidentified. Right. Now, on a later episode of Crime Watch in January 1998, the lead detective of the Kate Bushell murder inquiry, Mike Stevens, appealed to the community of Exwick, saying that someone in the community knew who the perpetrator was and asked them to come forward and help, help him bring them to just, justice. Now, on Crime Watch Still Unsolved programme on the 22nd of September, Stevens said that he was 90% certain that the killer was a local man or someone who had local knowledge. And he also stated that the man was right-handed hand, right and possibly the owner of a blue vehicle. And I know I've said this before, may have had a prior experience of slaughtering animals, particularly sheep. <laughs> so I, how they came to that, I don't know. I don't know whether they slaughtered animals differently. No, I'm not sure, but no, this know. is what he said. Now, a psychological profile of the killer was also revealed on the programme, and it stated that the killer was likely between aged 18 and 35, someone with previous convictions, possibly for sexual offences, someone with sexual and or relationship difficulties, someone who had pornography, and someone who had probably shown cruelty to animals in the past. Now, in Lynn Bryant's case, 
Nothing in her background led them to believe that she could be the subject of such an attack. And police, they traced the owners of 8,000 similar vans to the suspect one, the one that was seen following her from the petrol station. station yeah. They did not find the vehicle, which led police to believe that the driver was from outside the area. Okay. They are really, when they start doing these searches, I used to have um, an ex-boyfriend and there was a very infamous, awful case, Sarah Payne, a little girl that was uh, kidnapped and uh, abused and murdered. Now, his number plate must have had some of the numbers or letters that the partial number plate from the, uh, the, the, from the van that they uh, that had taken Sarah, because she was, she was snatched off from a lane. And they consistently rang, I think he was rung many, well, he's the company who worked for him, the van. He was rung for every month, for a good part, for months and months. Really? Um, kept asking where was he, and, and very and luckily he could prove that he was in a certain place, doing a, in a certain yeah, business. A he, could, he had an alibi, but they kept ringing up and ringing up and ringing up. So going, they must have been going over and over and checking and double checking and rechecking. Yeah. So there were actually there was actually criminal profile in this case as well. Criminal profile said that the killer was likely to be a loner, not in a stable relationship, and someone who had a hatred of women, which he may have expressed to friends or even psychiatrists. So again, that brings in kind of like why they said about a psychiatrist or a doctor. Let us know if you know somebody who could actually. Per- if you had be a, the perpetrator. Yeah, if you had a client who yeah. could have been the perpetrator, which was a big thing because you have client. I suppose you have that confidentiality. Although, if you believe somebody's going to hurt someone, I think there is a loopholes yeah. to that. So detectives believe that Lynn did not know a killer, and the lead detective in the case, Chris Borland, concluded that quote This was a planned murder. It was not about Lynn Bryant. This is somebody who was looking for somebody in an isolated location. Now, in both the cases of Kate and Lynn, it was ultimately thought that the motive was sexual, even though neither victim had been sexually assaulted. Their clothing had been disturbed by the killer and the murders were described as, quote, pretty unique nationally and internationally. Oh, wow. So I, it doesn't go on to say what made them unique. 6,000 people were DNA tested in the first few years, which would indicate that there was DNA evidence, which we'll find out later on that there, there actually was a partial profile. Right. Now, I mentioned earlier that there were following <clears throat> incidents after the two murders where women had been followed whilst walking the dogs after the murders had happened. On 2nd of July 2000, a man stalked a woman for about 300 yards, for about 300 yards, holding a six-inch knife in Salcombe, Devon, which is close-ish to the other scenes. Um, It happened about 7.30 at night, which at that time of year in the UK would be light. But her Alsatian dog got aggressive with the man, barking at him, and he ran off. It was never mentioned what breed of dogs the other women were walking uh, but an Alsatian is a very big and potentially aggressive dog they are used by the police yep. around the world and I own big dogs myself and they are standard poodles but they can be they are, they can be aggressive and a big dog can do a lot of damage if it, oh, if God, it yeah. feels its owner has been threatened so it's not the cleverest thing to approach right, somebody yeah. with an Alsatian dog 
The man was described as white, in his 40s and clean-shaven. He was driving a dark blue Volvo car and was wearing green corduroy trousers and a blue top. So he's never been traced. So they did think that, that, that there were a lot of similarities or potential similarities to those two cases. The, pos the links between Bush, uh, Kate and Lynn's murders continued to be noted in the press and media. And in 2018, retired detective Chris Clark claimed that the two murders could be linked to the murder of a 66-year-old woman called Helen Fleet in Whirlabury Woods in Western Supermare in March 1987. She had also been randomly killed whilst out walking her dog, but was also left relatively unharmed, not being sexually assaulted or robbed. Clark claimed that there was a similar sighting of a pale van nearby. Right. But that's never been officially linked. <clears throat> As I said, these, these high-profile cases, um, they were featured on Crime Watch, both after they happened and as part of unsolved oh, segments yeah. as well. They went, they both went cold and are still unsolved to this day. There were a number of orange fibres, bright orange fibres left on or around the scene of, of Kate's murder and police continue to appeal for anyone who owned clothing of that colour at the time. Right. Police had some new leads after a 20th anniversary appeal on Kate Bushell's murder in 2017 but they didn't lead anywhere. And um, police are convinced that Kate's murderer had a local connection due to where the crime scene was situated and how isolated it was. It wasn't some somewhere that people out of area would particularly know about. No. Because of where it was. In October 2018, police revealed that they had a partial DNA profile of the killer of Kate, uh, which when they did a 2016 forensic review of the case, this can now be used to eliminate suspects and they are or were or are retesting some of the 6,000 people who had their DNA tested in the original murder investigation. Right. And when, sorry, when when did they find this? In 2018? Uh, I think they must have done a cold case review and got this DNA or, right. you know, we talk about the go back and look at them, yeah, don't they? Yeah. Go look, back and look at the evidence. Three suspects arrested in the initial investigation have been eliminated forensically. Right. And the three men of interest in the Bryant murders, or Lynn's murders, should I say, have still not been identified to this day. And these are the scruffy-bearded driver of the white van, seen following her out of the garage, the petrol yeah. station. The man seen talking to her beside the chapel shortly before she was killed, and this was the last known sighting of her. And also a clean-shaven man wearing normal clothes who was seen by a farmer walking through a field away from the scene which the farmer said was very unusual. Right. There is a £10,000 reward for information leading to the capture of the killer of Kate and also a £10,000 reward leading for information leading to the capture of the killer of Bryant. On the 20th anniversary, they launched a major public appeal for people to come forward with, with previously withheld information that they may have to help solve the case. Peel generated an excellent public response and they got about, well, they got 204 calls and messages into the incident room, identifying 10, so they ended up having 10 new significant lines of inquiry, including the names of potential suspects. From the 10 new leads, a number of individuals named by the public were reviewed in detail by officers, but eliminated from the inquiry at, the ta at, at that time. 
Now, speaking at the time of this 20th, 20th anniversary appeal, senior investigating officer Paul Bergen said, this is a quote, unfortunately, despite the number of calls, that one vital piece of information still eludes us. And sadly, we still do not know who is responsible for Kate's death. I have included photos of the lane where Kate Bushell was last seen and the place that Lynn Bryant was seen on our Facebook and Instagram page. And if anyone has any information regarding these crimes or information about the perpetrators, then please inform the police as this is obviously a very dangerous individual. And anyone with any information is asked to contact police via 101 at dc.police.uk or telephone 101 quoting Operation Deakin. And also, information can also be passed anonymously to Crime Stoppers uh, which is, though it sounds like Crime Watch, but Crime Stoppers is a, a charity, a charity, and you can do it anonymously, can give tips or give information, and their number is 0800-555-111, or via their non-traceable online form at www.crimestoppers-uk.org. So please, obviously, if anyone has any, any information regarding this, then, you know, we need to, that person needs to be brought to justice absolutely okay so that's the uh, that concludes our podcast for today so thank you very much for listening and it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me thank you bye Thank you.